opportunity to start something new. And with the advent of a new year, we all have the gift of a new start. And that's what I want to talk to you today about, is the gift of a new start. I love casting vision and I love going forward and with the beginning of the year, and we've been all been given this thing of a new start. You know, we get an opportunity to look back at the past year and uh, this past week or really week and a half, all the pastors were gone, Don and Joe and Michael, they were all gone. I was just left here to hold down the fort. And I'm thinking, because usually everything slows down to a snail's pace around here between, you know, Christmas and New Year's. So I had this hit list of stuff I was going to knock out and just spend a day casting vision and dreaming and thinking, what are we going to do in 2013 and da, 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 da. And it was the craziest busy week. Days would go by and I would go, what in the world did I do today? You know? But I love the new year because it gives us the opportunity to start something new. And it's important to get off to a good start. And I really believe that it's easier to get off to a good start than it is to recover from a bad one. So I want to try to help us get off to a good start here in 2013. There was a couple who were sitting with their marriage counselor at the turn of a new year. And at their first session, the good doctor asked them to identify what seemed to be the root of the problem. To which the wife responded, well, sir, it all started when we thought it would be cute to think of each other's New Year's resolutions. That didn't go well for them, you know. So I want to help you get off to a good start. We've all been given the gift of a new start and a new year seems like a gift to get it right. It's an opportunity to let go of the disappointments and the failures and the hurts of of the past. The language of last year is should have and could have. The language of the present or of the future is need to and can do. Behind us is the past and in front of us are possibilities. G.K. Chesterton wrote this. He said, the object of a new year is not that we should have a new year. It's that we should have a new soul and a new nose and new feet, a new backbone, new ears and new eyes. And unless a particular man made New Year's resolution, he would make no resolutions. Unless a man starts afresh about things, he will certainly do nothing effective. So my goal is to simply say, hey, it's the beginning of a new year. Let's start doing something effective. Let's get the year off going right. A gift of the new year is not about flaws, but it's about potentials. And we all need a new start. The Bible is full of people and nations and individuals that needed a new start. Turn to the book of Ezekiel. Best way to get there is go to the book of Psalms, hang a right, go through Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel right there. Uh, He's a major prophet, and we call major prophets major prophets not because they're more important than the other guys. It's just simply their books are longer. They had more to say, and God gave them more to say. And so they're major simply because they're, they're bigger in volume. And so a lot of us don't really understand or know a little bit about or know little about Ezekiel. So let me give you a little background. The word Ezekiel, his name means God strengthens. He was a prophet of God to the exiles in Babylon. Israel had divided and had a civil war. There was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom fell first, and then finally the southern kingdom. And all identity of the nation of Israel was completely lost. Their best and the brightest were led away in Babylonian captivity. That's where Ezekiel was. He was carried away with the best and the brightest. And now he's a prophet, not in his home country, 
but in a foreign country to his people who are oppressed there. Their land is conquered, their cities looted, their places of worship are full of idols, and their national identity is gone. This is what Israel was experiencing at the time of Isaiah. The king of Babylon tried to indoctrinate the Israelites into being Babylonianites so that they would lose their identity and not be the people of God anymore. Ezekiel had a message of hope that God would one day come and restore spiritual life to Israel. That God would one day restore his glory to Israel. It was a message that one day the nation of Israel would get a fresh start. That the nation of Israel would get the gift of a new start. Now turn to chapter 36. Or punch it in if you want to. Ezekiel shares a prophetic vision from God of good news for the mountains of Israel. God, when he made his covenant with Abraham and reaffirmed it with David, he promised not only to bless the people, but preserve a land. So when he talks about the mountain of Israel, it's kind of a metaphorical. He's really kind of referring to, to the sum total of the nation of Israel that does not exist at this time. And it's a message of hope. And and what he's basically saying is this. He says, they, the unbelievers, the foreigners, have your mountains have been trampled by foreign armies and polluted with pagan shrines. The mountains have been plundered and the people are left ravaged and they suffer and they're impoverished. But God says... The land will one again feel the footsteps of God's people. In very eloquent terms, he talks about how the plow will once again bite in Israeli soil there in the valley under the mountains. The empty land will be filled again with grain and wheat and harvest. And forever God's people who had been scattered will be recalled to that place where it is God's people. And there, Israel would get a chance and have the gift of a new start. The gift of the new start is not because the people of Israel earned it. They didn't. My goodness, they are so much like you and me and we're so much like them. They they fell into this pattern that you fall into. God blesses. We thank God for his blessings. We we live close to the Lord a little bit. Then we get farther away from God, a little farther away from God, a little farther away from God. Until finally, we're just away from God. And then God has to call us back to himself. Here's Israel. Having the promise of a gift of a new start, not because they earned it, but because God is gracious. Matter of fact, if you look, and I think it's verse 24 and certainly in verse 30, or chapter 37, but he tells us that God is doing this. And at the end of chapter 36, he tells us that God is doing this, not so that Israel can be honored, but so that the name of God can receive the glory that is due him. The gift of a new start is not about you. It is about the glory of God. The opportunity to have a fresh beginning, to have a, have, if you were a golfer, it's a mulligan, you know? It's the ability, it's a, it's a God-given gift that you can start over. Your marriage, your walk with the Lord, parenting, 
God gives us these wonderful moments in life that if we seize them, the future can be different than the past. But we've got to take advantage of the moment that God has given us. So let's get honest. Let's get honest. Within this context of a new start and a beginning for Israel was yet to come, God, through Ezekiel, told what he would do for them in their new start. And this is so cool. Because I'm telling you, he will do the same for us. He will absolutely do the same for us. Look at what he will do. Look at verse 25. Here it is. Three words, or I don't know how many words. <laughs> I was going to go three, and then I'm thinking, I don't know how many words. You can count them out if you want to. If you don't, it really doesn't matter how many words. Here's the point of verse 25. His God will clean you up. If you need a new start, then you got to have a new heart for the new start. The deal is you can't clean up your heart. Only God can do that. That is the work of God. And so God said, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. That's a promise. I will sprinkle clean water on you. Every Jew in Babylonian exile, thousand miles away from the closest temple and place of worship, understood that that was a reference to the Levitical Old Testament high priest system, where the high priest and the priest would go in and the worshipers would go in and they would go to a bronze laver or they would go to other stations and by ablation or by washing, it would be symbolic. There they would wash their hands, which would be symbolically representing that God was cleaning their heart. And so what God was saying is, once again, I'll clean your heart. Amen. I will once again clean your heart. Man, I don't know about you, but no matter how hard I try, my heart gets dirty. No matter how hard I try, man, my attitude gets a little cranky. All right, it gets a lot cranky. No matter how hard I try, Man, things that I don't want to do, I end up doing, and that what I want to do? It's just kind of like Paul. I am not Paul, but in that regard, I can empathize. And God said, hey, listen, I'm going to sprinkle. I'm going to throw. I'm going to splash clean water on you, and you will be clean. It talked about ceremonial cleansing. It talks about how they were living in violation of the law. And that's what, it, that's what the end of verse 25 says. And you will be clean from your impurities. It has a ceremonial aspect to it. Where the children of Israel had broken the specific law and rules of God. And because they had, their hearts were dirty and they needed cleansing. And God said, I know you can't take care of that. I got you covered. I will sprinkle clean water on you. I will make you clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities. Those things that you do that violate God's truth. The unethical behaviors, the anger. You say, well, I preach that's just the way I am. But we're all fed up with it. That's not the way you should be. Your sarcasm. You see, there's a lot of things we just kind of excuse that the Bible says, whoa. I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody. I'm just saying, man, you got an opportunity for a new start. Allow God to examine your heart and see if you need this cleansing from sin. Probably John chapter 13 gives us the best way. Are you talking about being saved all over again? Absolutely not. 
Jesus washed the disciples' feet. It was this wonderful moment of humility and service. Jesus humbles himself and washes feet. I don't do feet, but he washes feet. And Peter said, well, if you're not going to wash my feet, and Jesus said, well, if I don't wash your feet, then you've got nothing to do with me. Then Peter, you know, not wanting to lose face with the crowd, said, oh, well, then wash all of me and give me a bath. Jesus said, no. Because he was, trying to re- he was trying to institute or help them understand and learn the truth that when you sin, you don't need to be saved all over again. You just need to repent because of the dirt. You need to clean the dirt on your feet. Because we get so affected by the culture around us. We get so affected by the attitudes around us. And what we want to start out doing, man, we, we don't do. And then we end up violating the very word of God. That's there to bless us and help us and encourage us and strengthen us and enlighten us and, and empower us. So he says, I clean you from all impurities. The word is filthiness. It's tuma in the Hebrew. It's the product of sin or doing wrong. And then he talks about also about cleaning out the idols of our heart. And I know that most of you don't have a stone idol in your home or an idol made out of wood or pictures or paintings that you bow down and do the um thing to. But I would say that most of us in this room today right now have an idol somewhere in our heart. Because really what an idol is, is that thing that you put in the place of God. And God ought to be number one, amen? And so what the Babylonians did is they made statues of gold or silver or they Isis and and Ithstar and all the other gods that they had that they employed from Egypt and their own culture and and even the Jewish gods and they would just kind of mix them all together and then they had this hierarchy of God and then what they did is they would take this God Jehovah God and put him down here and his rank was well below the Babylonian God. And what the Babylonians did through Nebuchadnezzar is they wanted to teach the children of Israel to do the same. To take Babylon's gods and to make their gods smaller down on the rank. Man, don't we do the same thing? Well, I'm going to put my family here and slide God down a couple of notches. I got to make more money. So money's the number one thing and I'll slide God down three or four or five notches. I hadn't forgot about God. I hadn't discarded God. I hadn't counted out God. I'm just simply saying that, God, you're not number one right now, right here in this moment. I got an idol. I got something else. It's money. It's power. It's future. I don't know what it is. But if we're not careful, we'll get all of these little idols in our heart. By the way, long before you ever bowed down and long before Israel ever bowed down to a physical idol, they had already bowed down to a spiritual idol in their heart. So I guess the question is, what are the idols in your heart? You can't have the gift of a new start with idols in your heart. God's got to be there, number one. I mean, he's, he's got to have that place of preeminence. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 or 18, I believe it is, it said that in all things he might have the preeminence. And, and so in your heart, is he truly there or have you just kind of... Ranked him down lower on the scale. I 
For some, that idol is money, greed, selfishness, or self-centered. And for many, listen to me, for many, we become our own idol. And we worship ourselves and we make life all about us, our wants, our thane, our desires. And that is such a shallow way to live. Let God clean your heart. But not only does he clean our heart, look at what he does through our heart. After he cleans it, look at verse 26. When God cleans you up, then he gives you a new heart. Verse 26 says, and I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Wow. Not only does he cleanse us and clean us up, but he goes a step farther. He runs it deeper. For Israel, Ezekiel says, God would take away their stony heart. The word stony refers to all kind of stones and rocks. The root of the word means to build. Ezekiel was telling the Israelites that God was going to take away from their heart all the wrong stuff that they had built their nation on. And God tells us the same. That he's going to take away the old things, the wrong things that we built our life on. And he's going to give us a new foundation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15 says, If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and everything has become new. And so what God wants to do is he wants to reach in there and grab your stony heart and yank it out. It's amazing what makes us hard, isn't it? It's amazing what makes us calloused over. Disappointment, hurt, Loss of a job, betrayal of a friend. In my life, I found that it's not really the big things that kind of hard my heart. It's those little things. When I was in high school, I was on the gymnastics team. You cannot tell it now, but it was. And one of a, a gymnast's best friends was calluses that you would get on your hands. The calluses were not made one day. You'd get blisters in one day. But the calluses came over constant use over a period of time. Whether it was the rings, the pommel horse, the high bar, parallel bars, those kind of things. See, in me and Mike Trimble's life, it's not those big things. Man, I can rally against those big things. I understand that. But it's that constant grind. It's that constant motion that if I'm not careful makes my heart hard. That makes me insensitive to the things of God. That makes me feel distant to the voice of God and the word of God. Sometimes, (laughs) last night I had the, was it last night or the night before? Anyway, I think it was last night. I had the privilege of trying to explain the movie Fantastic Four to my wife. My wife is Rachel Ray, love it or list it, I'm trying to explain. And I was trying to explain the thing, you know, Ben Grimm, the thing. How he went from this guy to this thing of just solid rock. It was because his DNA got changed in this space cloud, and you guys know the movie. 
I just simply want to submit to you that if we're not careful, we will pass through issues. We will pass through things. We will pass through experiences of life. And if we don't take care, our heart will begin to harden. And we can just be a spiritual thing, a spiritual Ben Grimm, just all stoned up. God said, listen, not only am I going to clean you up, but I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to reach in there and take your old heart, your cold heart, your heart that's numb and indifferent, your heart that's, that's calloused over, wasted and hard, and I'm going to replace it with something better. God said that he would clean them up, take away their stony heart, and then give them a heart of flesh. Now, flesh is not the bad term in the, in the, as we would associate it sometimes in the Bible. It's a term of comparison and contrast. In comparison with a dead, stony heart, he was going to give them a live, tender, living, fleshy heart. He was going to give them something that lives and, and breathes and beats and pulsates and moves blood and gets the body going again. He was going to pull out the old. He was going to insert the new, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He was going to give you a heart of flesh. He's going to give you a heart that, uh, that just would be tender again. So let's be honest. How's your spiritual heart? I mean, if you had to circle in your Bible, is your heart right now that, that heart of stone or that heart of flesh? Have you been kind of numbed and dumbed down to the things of God? Or are you still kind of ready to go? Does your heart still kind of pulsate with the power and the fire of God? Well, he goes on and he says one other thing. There's one thing more that's involved with the gift of a new start. It's not only to get cleaned up and it's not only a new heart, but he says in verse 27, he says, I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. This is a huge verse. It's a clear reference to the coming Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity that came after Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And the reason is God has always wanted to be with his people. God is not unknowable and he's not untouchable. Listen, the way that it works is is like this. God in the beginning created everything. And he created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But Adam and Eve sinned and their hearts went cold and stoned hard against the things of God and hardened to God. And so God could no longer walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. God then had the Israelites to build tabernacles and temples so his presence could be with them. But men's hearts sinned and became hardened to God. So, because God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, the Christmas story, to be with us. God has always wanted to be with us. But men sinned. And their hearts became hardened towards God. So, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. So that any who would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He was crucified on another man's cross, buried in another man's grave, but on the third day rose again like he said he would, proving that he is who he says he is, the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Then, 40 days later, 50 days later, he ascended back to heaven 
And when he ascended days later, the spirit of God came down so that God could be with us. Please understand, the spirit of God lives in you to keep your heart from getting cold, to keep you from putting idols in your life, to keep you from getting hardened, to keep you from breaking God's laws. It is there to give you life and to empower you and to direct you and to lead you. And right here, you have two things that it says that it'll do. He says that it will and, and move you to follow my decrees. There's three things kind of wrapped up in this, that the Spirit of God has come or will come for the Israelites, has come for us. Clark E. Tanner, in his book, The Dwelling of God, wrote this. Can you fathom this? The God of this universe, who holds all things together by the word of his power, who fills all things and is bigger than the universe, bigger than time, literally, if you're a believer, lives in you, calls you his dwelling place. But what a magnificent creation you are. What a high and wonderful privilege we've been given to house the Spirit of God. But he's an active resident in our heart. He doesn't just sit on the lazy boy watching TV while we go uninvolved, while we go about living our lives. God's Spirit is for you. He'll do three things according to the text. God's Spirit will cause you to walk in his statutes. To follow his decree. It's there to help you live by the book. It'll help you to do what's right. That is great news. That God's power, the Holy Spirit of God, that we can live a spirit-filled, spirit-led life, that God's power lives within us so that we can do what God has asked us to do in his word. That's incredible. People say, I can't live the Christian life. Verse 27 says, yes, you can. Because you have the spirit and the power of God in that clean heart, in that heart of flesh, so that you can keep the laws of the Lord. You say, well, pastor, I have a hard time keeping the laws of the Lord. Then you better check out the condition of your heart. Is it getting hardened by sin? Or is it getting tendered through the living, breathing spirit of God Almighty? Let me just give you the, the, the two other things that, that he does. It, it helps us to not only to walk in his statutes, but God's given us his power of God's spirit to walk, to keep it. And then he gives us his power to do his will. Not only to live by his word, but to live by his will. The Bible doesn't address every issue. In principle, you can extrapolate, but specifically it doesn't address every issue. And so you, can, you have to walk by his word, but then you also have to walk by his will, led by the spirit with this clean heart of flesh, living, breathing that God's given you. So here's the deal. You and I have been given the gift of a new start, and I think most of us could use one. So if you're a Christian, man, let's start. How's your heart? How's your heart? Have you let sins of the past year just kind of mound up, mound up, and oh, I'll take care of it, and I'll take care of it, and I'll take care of it. This year, you've been given the gift of a new start. Let's start it right. Let's take care of sin first. Let's take care of the uncleanliness, the impurities. Let's take care of the idols. 
tell God we're sorry for those things. Then he takes that away, puts in that new clean heart so that we can live for him and live in the power of the Spirit of God. Matter of fact, would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes for just a moment? I wonder if you're a Christian and you'd say, Pastor, I love the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart. I really do. But when you were talking about sin and uncleanliness and impurities, when you were talking about a hard heart and getting numb to the things of God, being indifferent to the truth of God, not feeling the power, the presence of God, I could so identify with that. Because you either were there or you lived there. Good news. You've been given the gift of a new start. And so if you are a Christian, if you're a child of God, I'm not talking about being saved all over again. I'm just saying, hey, let's take a little heart inventory here. Let's look for the impurities. Let's look for the idols. Let's, let's look for those things that we've intentionally, that have, that have hardened our heart. And let's confess them. Ask God to take it away. Ask God for a renewed sense of his presence through the Holy Spirit of God so that we can do what God has given us the opportunity to do in 2013. I wonder if you're a Christian here this morning and you say, Pastor, when you were speaking about that things, man, the Holy Spirit kind of touched my heart and kind of spoke to me and, and, and I just need, I just really need to come and deal with some things in my own heart. Because if you're going to enjoy the gift of a clean heart, or a new start, then you got to have a clean heart. All right, we're not going to even raise hands this morning. Would you just stand to your feet? Father, in the next few moments, we're just going to throw out a bold invitation that if they need a new start and they want to embrace the gift of the new start, that they just come. They don't need me to tell them what prayer to pray. They just need to come and spend a little time with you confessing sin, giving back those things that cause us hardness of heart. Not getting so bogged down with the little things that we've missed the great big thing of your love and your presence and your power in our life. God, I don't know how you've spoken to our hearts this morning. But here's my prayer is that we'll take advantage of the gift of a new start. Now, I'm going to finish the prayer after we're all done. But if you're here this morning, you need to pray. And I'm not talking about praying at your seat. I'm talking about praying on your knees at an altar prayer. I know this is a message for the church. I get that. All Don's going to do is play. Why don't you take advantage of the gift of a new start? kneel down before a loving God and start things right in 2013. God speaking to you, you come. Just quietly slip out as speaking to you. You come. No matter what anybody does or does not do, it's about your heart and God's spirit in you, your numbness, your deadness, 
your freshness, your life. Jesus Christ, man, of all people, you need the fresh start. And you heard the message, you know what you need to do. Ask God to clean you up, invite him into your heart. Depend on his spirit to lead you and guide you. You don't need me to repeat a prayer. You can talk to God right now, right where you stand. I would just simply ask that if you ask him into your heart, I'm going to hang around the front right after church and come and share that with me. Because we want to help you get started right in 2013. Father, we love you. I thank you for the truth of your word. So appropriate for today yet given almost 3,000, 3,200 years ago through a prophet to a people whose hearts became hardened because they were living in a culture that wasn't. And so Father, help us to embrace the gift of a new start and to do all that you have called us to do. To be the men and women of God and and to allow the Spirit of God to direct us and to use us this year like none other. Lord, that you would be honored. Take away that hard heart. Keep our hearts tender. Keep our hearts beating for you. God, if there's any sin in our heart, may we confess it right now, specifically by name, so that we can embrace the gift of the new start. In the name of Jesus, we pray.